Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do you want great new romance books to read but are feeling overwhelmed by all of the publishing buzz? Let us help. Tell TBR about your reading likes and dislikes and what you're looking for and sit back while your own personal bibliologist handpicks recommendations just for you. TBR offers plans to receive hardcover books in the mail or recommendations by email so there is an option for every budget. TBR is also produced in partnership with Print, a bookstore in Portland, Maine, so you can treat your shelf and support an indie too. And... TBR is also available as a gift, which is very important, especially this time of year. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. That's mytbr.co. Hello and welcome back to Win in Romance, where we talk a lot about a lot of things romance related i am jess and i am trisha and we are recording on thursday october 15th 2020 because it's the year that never ends Mm -hmm. and we are recording episode 69 we are and because i'm 12 years old i feel like that's a real landmark jess (laughs) i feel like every romance podcast just wants to get to episode 69 I mean, really. That's that's definitely a goal. I mean, it took us almost three years, but here we are. Here we are. It's a big day. Yeah, it's a big day. We're, we're happy to be here and hope you're happy to still be with us. Indeed. So I think we've we've got a pretty full docket today, but we're still going to, you know, be concise and succinct like we try to always be. We're doing so well already. I, yeah, I think I think everyone could argue. Yeah, it's 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 going great. We feel wonderful. <laughs> Listen, we're allowed to take a minute to celebrate episode sixty nine. I think that's fine. Okay, that's great. But we also want to celebrate all of you. We've gotten a lot of really good, fun uh, emails and feedback lately. Um, we heard from Pascal, who sent us an essay about reclaiming romance that uh, she had written. Kenneth sent us some fantastic topic ideas, which I have a feeling we will be carrying with us for uh, a little while now. And uh, we heard from Rosario as well. This was, I think, two episodes ago. We talked about romance in the time of COVID and sort of that being a little bit complicated. And Rosario was saying, you know, that she kind of disagreed with the idea that maybe there would not be romance set. And I think this was certainly a feeling that I had just, I don't know if you had it quite as much, but that I I kind of felt like it was going to be unlikely that romance was going to be set explicitly in COVID times, just because it's been a really trying time for a lot of people. And Rosario Mm -hmm. was saying, you know, forced proximity is a huge trope in romance. And realistically, Quarantine and lockdown provides some potentially very good reasons for that. Um, Rosario actually also pointed out that um, I believe she's based in Spain, and there is a well-known uh, Spanish romance writer named Marisa Cecilia, who wrote a book already called Paris Puede Esperar. My apologies if I, if I got all of that Spanish wrong. It is 
not my best uh, language. Uh, the meaning behind it is Paris Can Wait, and that is a book. We'll certainly link to it in the show notes. My understanding is that right now it's only in Spanish. So if you, like me, cannot read Spanish, then you might have to wait for it to be translated into English. But apparently the book uh, is already set in COVID times, and Rosario kind of said she wasn't sure if it was going to be right for her, but she actually really loved it. So we will certainly link to that. Awesome. Thank you to everyone who reaches out to us in various ways across the interwebs. Yes, actually, speaking of which, I mentioned to Jess before, I did also want to thank everyone. We usually do this at the end, but huge thanks to everyone who rates and reviews the podcast. It makes a huge difference for us. And I wanted to mention that we do actually, or at least I read those reviews, not every day, uh, but on a, <laughs> on a fairly regular basis. And even the ones that are not 100% positive are constructive. And I really appreciate that, you know, obviously, my preference would be to only see reviews about all of the wonderful things that we do right all the time. But <laughs> because we are human, uh, and we realize that that is just not realistic. I really genuinely do appreciate the people who submit more critical reviews are never mean. And so that is why I can actually read these reviews on a regular basis is because that criticism is constructive. And I will tell you, as someone who has read reviews of many different kinds of podcasts, that is not usually the case. And so I think it's kind of a cool and unique thing about the people who listen to this, this podcast. So thank you for that. And also, if you are now hopping onto Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice to read those reviews and see what I'm talking about, I appreciate that. But while you are there, rate and review the podcast because <laughs> we appreciate that too. And it does help people find it and helps us get better and also... It helps us feel good about ourselves if you happen to just love everything we do. So feel free to let us know that too. But anyway, we, Jess and I, I think, uh, are always very grateful that we get to do this. And we uh, appreciate when we get to interact with all of you across the internet. Yes, we do. And we have one last opportunity for outreach, Jess. We do. You want to take that one? Because I've been talking a lot. Well, I mean, whatever. Um, <laughs> sometimes I just like to let you sit back. But anyway, getting back to our concise, direct thing. We are indeed going to be once again having our holiday recommendation show. And that is coming soon. So if you have any requests that you'd like for yourself, for family members or friends, or any other people that you might be offering reading material to for a holiday of any kind or just in general. Go ahead and let us know. You can email us at whenandromance at bookriot.com. Yeah, and please do that sooner rather than later. I think we're recording that episode probably in about a month, so probably like November 12th, 13th. In prior years, we've sometimes had to do two because we get so many requests, but mm -hmm. it will air on, I believe, the 16th of November. So yeah, we're excited about it. Yeah, always. All right. Before we dive into even more fun romance stuff, Jess, you want to do an ad spot? Let's do an ad spot. So thanks to SipSpy for sponsoring this podcast. SipSpy, experience the joy of personalized tea discovery with SipSpy. Subscribe and receive four premium teas chosen just for you each month from 150 plus global tea brands. SipSpy searches for hidden tea gems from around the world and matches you with your new favorites based on your unique preferences. Just $15 a month with free shipping. So join a club of 500,000 tea lovers and visit m.sipspy.com to take the tea quiz and get the box today. 
gift cards are available for three, six, and 12 month subscriptions. And you can use code T and Books, T T E A and A N D Books, Books, to take 50% off your first box. Now, we were actually given a chance to try out Sips by, and they had us take the personalization quiz, which is quick and fun and makes you think about actually what kind of tea you want to try or like to drink. Like, what is constant comment, really? And I know what it is, but I didn't <laughs> early on in, in my tea drinking life. But, you know, it makes you think about what kind of flavors you want. And then they really do take the, all of that into account. The box that I got had an Earl Grey by Ahmad Tea, which was just like the best Earl Grey I've ever had. And I am really picky about Earl Grey because it's such a weird flavor. And a Moroccan Mint Tea by Stash Tea, which was really good. And also a really great Vanilla Rebos by the Republic of Teas. I will say that there was a cinnamon tea that wasn't my favorite, but it's not because it's not what I asked for. So <laughs> you can usually get a 75 to 100% success rate in your Sips Buy box, which you will get monthly. Well, and I will confess, I think I had a 100% success rate in my box. I'm actually currently drinking the organic mint moringa tea, which is I kid you not, genuinely a coincidence. I was just looking for a, a caffeine-free tea, and it happened to be this one. And I actually really like it because I think it's more on kind of the peppermint spectrum than the spearmint spectrum, which if you drink a lot mm. of mint tea, I think you'll understand what I'm talking about. And mm. I have to tell you, Jess, you know this because you have been getting it as well. They come <laughs> with these cards that tell you what the teas are and also tell you like what temperature you're supposed to steep the tea. I know. And I did not know that you weren't just supposed to steep all of the tea in boiling water. I learned that from another book, I will tell you. And it was randomly um, Darius the Great uh, is Not Okay, which is a YA novel that you can hear all of my thoughts about on an extra credit episode of Hey YA, if you listen to that. But that is neither here nor there. I mean, still good information. But now, I mean, I, I have not read that. So I got to learn it from Sips By. And I I think you and I both have talked about the fact that, you know, even if we were not getting this box for free or had not, I mean, I will probably continue to subscribe. It's a super reasonable cost. And it's really nice just to have somebody put something together for you. It absolutely is. And if you are interested in subscribing or just seeing what your little package might look like. You can follow Sips By on Instagram for weekly giveaways and more. And they're at Sips By, S-I-P-S-B-Y. And you can also use the code ROMANCE for 50% off your first Sips By box at www.sipsby.com. So if you like tea, check it out. <laughs> and even if you're like me and usually drink more wine than tea, check it out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Healthy habits, everybody. Healthy habits. Healthy habits. <laughs> All right. So we've got a few more quick little news items in adaptation news. Mm -hmm. I first will give a quick shout out. Brenda Jackson's books, Brenda Jackson, we've talked about a number of times on the show, are going to be adapted. She has a new adaptation deal, which is 
fantastic news. Bobby Smith mm-hmm. Jr. and his Ashore Entertainment Company are going to launch a film and television company to develop and produce titles from Jackson's collection of romance novels. I think we've talked about a number of them. I think my favorite uh, in her collection is a book called Bane, which is a sort of mm-hmm. second chance romance between childhood sweethearts, one of whom is, if I'm remembering it correctly, is now a wildly impressive scientist of some kind who is <laughs> in like a like the people are trying to steal her scientific secrets. I think she's also like 23. So I remember reading this book in like my <laughs> early 30s and being like, okay, I mean, good for her. It's a little intimidating, <laughs> but it's delightful. It's part of the Westmoreland series. But anyway, so I don't know if that one's first on the list. If it is, I definitely will watch it as soon as it comes out. No pressure. <laughs> but we are super excited for her. Uh, Brenda Jackson has been writing for decades. Mm-hmm. One of the first, uh, she may have been the first black romance author to make the USA Today bestseller list. I don't see that in the article I'm reading right now. I, I think I just remember that from other things. So anyway, all of that to say, we're super excited about that. And we will link to that news in the show notes. Awesome. We are so excited about that. You might remember that I uh, sought to do a um, Westmoreland's read-through and failed miserably, so maybe it's time to try again. (laughs) Never too late, Jess. It's never too late. Maybe spread over the course of a decade or so. We'll see. But anyway... So yes, we're very excited about that news. In other adaptation news, you might recall several months ago, it was probably last year. Yeah. Or I, it's it's been a while. It was announced that Shondaland TV had signed a deal with Netflix to produce Bridgerton, the large-scale series that would be adapting Julia Quinn's series, The Bridgertons, the first of which is The Duke and I. And uh, we've been sort of hanging out waiting for any news of that, because we know that Netflix occasionally likes to just drop series, just say, hey, guess what? This show's coming out. But with the whole Shondaland thing and the very, very large audience that Julia Quinn has, I didn't think that was going to happen. But I kind of wondered, because yesterday, there was a countdown suddenly and a cordial invitation from Netflix to check out some news today. And we got a release date for Bridgerton, which sadly is not tomorrow. It is December 25th of this year, though. So at least there's that. We we get Bridgerton this year. And we also got a beautiful first look at some of the characters who will be making hopefully many, many appearances in the first season which will hopefully be the first of many, many seasons. Um, and I'm really excited because I think I've read all eight of the Bridgerton books, but it was a long time ago, so I don't have a whole lot of memory of exactly what each of the individual books were. But I remember really loving those characters, and I'm happy to see them brought to life with such an amazing cast. Including Ajua Ando, who is a name that's familiar to me, not because of films I've seen her in, but she's narrated at least one Talia Hibbert book. Oh, interesting. (laughs) So. Crossover of things we love. (laughs) Crossover of things we love. Can I be honest with you? I haven't read any of them, Jess. I think it was one of those things where it was like, oh, this is a book. And I was just, this is a booking at at that point in my romance life, because I wasn't quite as savvy 
at accidentally collecting hundreds of romance novels than as I am now. Well, now I'm considering trying to read them all between now and December 25th, which is reasonable. (laughs) Take your time. We'll see. Take your time. We'll see how it goes. Well, that's very exciting news. And I think that is our exciting news of the episode. (laughs) And our next news is a little more complicated. Like, yes, it's good, but it's complicated. Do you want to talk about this a little bit? Sure. So it was announced and... I'm sure it came out in Publishers Marketplace or whatever that thing is first, but Roan Parrish tweeted it, and I'm sure there was a formal announcement somewhere that I didn't find, that she would be publishing her third and fourth book in the current series that she's working on, the first of which, Better Than People, is a Karina Adores book, through Harlequin series, Harlequin's special edition, I think, is the series that these books would come through. And they are going to be the first on-page queer relationship in the history of Harlequin series books. We know that Karina, and particularly Karina Adores, which is a new imprint this year, have been doing a whole lot, well, a whole lot for them, of publishing queer books of all sorts, not just gay romance, but romance featuring other pairings, I guess we call them. And so this would be the first time that a Harlequin series books, one with what was formerly the swish at the top and is now like a triangle on the side of various colors, red, yellow, blue, printed and distributed digitally, would have a male couple on the cover. And that is awesome that this is happening. And Trisha and I talked about how like surprising but not it was that it's 2020 and this is the first time a 70-year-old company has had something that wasn't just a man and the woman in a love story on a printed book. But <laughs> but it's Harlequin and they're actually a pretty conservative publisher when you look at just the overarching story of their publishing history and their publishing present. So it's not really surprising. What is noticeable, though, (laughs) which I think is what was coming through in Trisha's butt, Mm -hmm. is that Roan Parrish, who is an amazing writer, I love her, I'm really excited for her because this is a big step, but Roan Parrish is a cis woman who writes romance primarily about men. She also writes other genders. (laughs) And these books are going to be, we assume, primarily about cis men. Yeah. And I think that's, for me, the less interesting part of this is that a long overdue thing is happening, although that is important. Mm -hmm. Because as you said, Jess, Harlequin is, is conservative. And as much as you can certainly make the argument that Harlequin has done a great deal for romance and for romance writers, I think you can also argue that Harlequin could was in a good position to do more than it has done. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. while I do, I guess, celebrate this belated success, I think the more interesting thing than the fact that an overdue thing is happening is how it has happened. Because mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say, you know, I say this as someone who uh, wrote a piece for Book Riot probably three years ago now that was focused on male-male romance. And one of the editorial notes that our editor gave me before I started was, 
we definitely don't want this just to be a list by white women. Mm-hmm. And that was not an easy charge even three years ago. And so there has been a tremendous amount of progress, although I think it's still fair to say that the vast majority of male male romance published in mainstream publishing is written by cis women, mm-hmm. some of whom are queer, for sure. And and I do, like I said, I, I think it has gotten better. It was a real challenge a few years ago to find men writing male male romance. And that is less the case now. Absolutely. And some of them write for Harlequin's imprints. Yeah, absolutely. So it seems like it could have been done differently. And I'm with you. I, Roan Parrish is uh, one of the first romance writers that I read, and I think she does a wonderful job. But, and, <laughs> there are, I mean, there are now other people who could have done that. And I think this is where we start to get into kind of a complicated conversation about own voices and what that means. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether being a cis white woman who is queer is, I mean, obviously that is an identity that needs to be represented for sure, but is it the person who should be writing this exact book to be published in this kind of milestone for Harlequin? Yeah. And we know that, you know, publishing is all about relationships. The person who has a long, good standing relationship with a publisher is more likely to get a certain kind of deal than someone who doesn't. But that said, this was an opportunity for Harlequin to either uplift someone who already writes for Karina, who is someone who can write to their identity, or take on a whole new voice to write for Harlequin Presents, Harlequin Special Edition, Harlequin Desire, whichever, to be that milestone moment in their expansion. And, you know, another thing that's really interesting about this is that Roan's books are kind of long, and the Harlequin Special Edition is not. So I'm wondering, I'm looking forward to seeing how that change, how that shift happens when going from an imprint that allows you to be a little more risque to something that's a little more, I hate to say mainstream, because it's not that Harlequin is more mainstream, it's that they're a little more watered down. So, you know, there's all kinds of elements going into, huh, this is interesting, beyond the fact that Roan Parrish, as a queer, white, cis woman, who writes amazing stories, is the first person to write gay romance featuring men, either cis or trans, for Harlequin. Yeah, and I think you know, it's a couple of conversations that we probably don't have time for today, but maybe we can flag for another time. I do think this own voices question is really interesting. And especially, you know, we've seen a few different pieces, I think, particularly in the last year or so around how own voices are even, I I don't, I don't know, more authentic, maybe that might be the wrong term, Mm -hmm. the closer you get to someone's actual specific identity, right? So to group an entire subsection of people, right? To group people of color as one thing when you're actually talking about a, you know, a black woman is mm-hmm. is not always productive. To group the queer community when you are talking about a cis male who is in a relationship with another male, right? Like a, a you know, or someone who is bisexual versus someone mm-hmm. who is not, you know, like I think we're starting to understand a little bit more the nuances of a lot of these 
identities and and sometimes, frankly, just labels that we assign mm-hmm. to people. And I think that matters a lot. And I think we're starting to understand that a little better. And, you know, maybe we'll get a little closer to being able to to tease that out a little more specifically. I also think there's something a little complicated in queer romance, because when you're talking about own voices, it does require someone to out themselves in a way that is mm-hmm. also a little sticky, you know, and I, I don't think we yeah. figured that out yet. So I do think there are some pieces of this that are pretty complex that, you know, again, probably warrant more conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'll just end my side by saying again that I'm really happy for Roan and I'm really happy that Harlequin is taking this step. And, you know, there are complicated issues with the fact that those two things are happening together. But hopefully this will be the next step in Harlequin expanding whose voices they put on the books that they sell in Walmart and in stores and just in print. And hopefully that also will include more than that specific representation seen on those covers. And maybe Roan will write more closer to her identity because they've seen that they can sell her books. So that's my hope for the outcome of all of this. I appreciate that optimism. And I think uh, you're right. This could just be the beginning. So we will certainly be keeping track here now that we've made it to episode 69 of When in Romance. (laughs) You know, the sky's the limit. Sky is indeed the limit. So before we get into our final segment where we talk uh, a little bit about some specific books, let me do one more ad spot. And that is for Book Riot Insiders, the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community. You can enrich your reading life with our Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to Insiders, short story, novel, and epic. And you can try any level out for free for two weeks. The highlight is our group read hosted online available to all Epic members. Each quarter, we'll read one book voted on by Epic subscribers that will fulfill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge, and we will cap off our read-along with a live chat. Insiders also get access to our new release index so that they can keep track of upcoming releases they're most excited about. They can keep track of exclusive podcasts, there's bookish merch deals, and there is more. Just head to insiders.bookriot.com to start your free two-week trial. That's insiders.bookriot.com or click the link in the show notes. All right, Jess, we celebrated an underrated and honestly possibly made up holiday (laughs) on Book Riot within the last week or two, the Literary Friendship Day, which, I mean, it's delightful. I do think it might have been made up by us. But honestly, if you're going to make up a holiday, you could certainly do worse. Yeah, I mean, that's a great holiday to make up. I I honestly neglected to look up to see if that's a real day on days of the year. Um, But I, I wouldn't say can't be a real day. And we should just continue to celebrate that every year. You know what, if we have President's Day, we can have Literary Friendship Day. I think that's fine. (laughs) That's a great option. Absolutely. Um, And you actually wrote a really lovely piece for Book Riot about um, friendships in black and multicultural romance. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of what you said? We'll link to it, of course. But if I thought it was really like I said, really lovely and delightful. So if you want to talk a little bit maybe about some of the things that you appreciate about friendship and romance. Absolutely. And thank you. I appreciate your appreciation. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> Mutual admiration society. That's where we are here. Uh, yes. Hair flip. So I, as you will potentially read, was really excited to be able to write a real book riot piece for Literary Friendship Day, because if you have noticed, I don't get the chance to write for the site very much anymore, because kissing books is very time-consuming. But I really wanted to talk about my second favorite thing about romance, which is friendships. And I've noticed that it's a very strong feature that I always feel especially in romance by Black authors, Black romance, and multicultural romance. And there's just something about when somebody has, like, even that one ride-or-die friend or that group that is going to be there for you when you need to, like, get crazy drunk, when they need to have the come-to-Jesus talk with you about the relationship or you're wallowing and you just need to, like, get back in there or you meet some friends and suddenly have the best friends in the world that help you realize your goals and get to them because you've all shared the same catfisher, which, if that sounds familiar, that is the Boyfriend Project. I just, like, there's something about that friendship, especially when it's written by Black women, um, but also in other cases that I just really love to read. Group chats are especially delightful. <laughs> and um, and those interactions are just so important to see in a romance novel. Because if you're reading a, especially a contemporary romance novel, and the only people the protagonist and the love interest are talking to are each other, then... You, you worry for your protagonist. You're like, yeah. is this a real person? Are they a cyborg? Do they exist? <laughs> um, because, you know, yes, there are many of us, I'm including myself, who mostly interact with friends via the internet. <laughs> but even that is still a friend group. Like in, uh, what's that book that just came out? Spoiler alert. Those people on the internet are still her friends. <laughs> so... Well, and yeah, at least then there's some like Slack or like chat or like DMs or like at least there's some conversation, right? Like there's mm -hmm. still some back, whether it's in person or, you know, anyway. Yes, I, I agree with you. You got to have some back and forth. Yeah. If, the, if, the, if that friend relationship isn't there, either one really great friend or that group of people that are like, girl, chill, get your stuff together or man, chill or hey, chill. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wh whoever you are, your friends are there for you. Like, perhaps when the rain starts to pour, Jess? When the rain were they there for you? Like, they've been there before. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. Okay. Um, I mean, I couldn't help myself. You just kept talking about how they're there for you. And I was like, I feel like I've heard that somewhere. I feel like it's perhaps come up sometime on a problematic 90s sitcom called Friends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shout out to the Rembrandts, who that was their only hit. Was, <laughs> was it? The Friends. I mean, <laughs> name another song by the friend, the Rembrandts. I honestly couldn't have told you that that was the Rembrandts. So you're a step ahead of me. I mean, listen, you know, we all have our <laughs> skills in life. Anyway, I apologize with my discussion of 90s sitcom theme songs. Please continue. Well, you know, that was a great way to wrap that up. <laughs> 
Um, friends are great, especially in romance novels, when all of the protagonists and love interests need someone that is not inside of their relationship to be a part of, to to interact with. And, you know, sometimes those friendships are family friendships. They're brothers. But we've seen, at least in the books that I've picked up, that, like, family of five brothers that all fall in love one by one, dominoes in a row, are becoming friend groups now. And that's that's really great, partly because I see myself more as an only child. Um, and also because, like, those friendships are the best. Like, love is cool. It's great to find a forever partner when you're reading a book. But the friendships will always be there. And you can tell when someone is has written a really great friendship in a romance novel. Indeed. And I will do a quick, I'll do, I'll do one quick rec and then one full rec. Uh, the quick rec is for pretty much anything by Rebecca Weatherspoon. You mentioned, mm-hmm. I think, her Fit series and your piece, Jess. It almost seems like in a lot of what she writes, it's the friendships that are consistent and continuous and that kind of sustain an entire series. And it's the relationships that are kind of book by book. But if you are looking for any kind of series where the friendships are really important in the ways that Jess was talking about, or the ways that you see in the theme song of Friends, pick up (laughs) anything about Rebecca Weatherspoon. It will be actually far more entertaining and diverse than the theme song of Friends. (laughs) But my full rec is uh, a series called The Legal Brief Series. It's by Emma Chase. And it is about a group of four attorneys in our nation's capital, the District of Columbia, who are all work friends. They met through the work that they do. As I mentioned, they're all attorneys. And I do think it might be that that resonates with me a little bit specifically because I live in the District of Columbia and the majority of my friends are people that I have met through work. And these are people who, you know, I've been on group texts with people for six or seven years, most of whom don't work with me anymore. But mm-hmm. it's still, you know, you kind of sustain that. So I will say some of that may hit home in that way. This series is also a little unusual for me because it has at least two of the three male protagonists in the series are what are sometimes referred to as alpha holes, mm. which are not, it's not, they're not like those happy, nice guys that I, I, that is generally my kind of style of romance. But I think it might be because the books are narrated their first person male narrated, which is actually fairly uncommon in romance. Um, So maybe that's why it doesn't bother me as much because you get to kind of see the perspective of that person in a different way. But your mileage may vary. I will say it's just a group of friends who are all very much there for each other with advice when you have to deliver those hard truth moments. The series starts with overruled, but I will tell you that my favorite is actually sustained, which is book two. You can read it without any problems. Um, That one is actually sustained is about a, again, alpha hole sort of attorney who uh, ends up entangled with a woman who is has found herself responsible for her six nieces and nephews. And so there is, you know, that child element to that one too, which it sometimes works for me, sometimes doesn't. And this one, it totally does. That is sustained in particular. Um, like I said, that's my favorite. And you can definitely start there. But Overruled, which is the first, and Appealed, which is the third, are also really good. And it's just, yeah, it's just a good series of, it's smart, it's funny, it's definitely romantic comedy. And you will get a sense pretty quickly if the writing style is for you. So 
take a look if you're interested at all. That is the Legal Briefs series by Emma Chase. And my personal recommendation is Sustained. Awesome. Yeah. So I will too, I will also do a brief rec for an author to check out and a longer one about a book that I have really loved. And I realized after hitting submit on my friendship discussion that I closed the friendship discussion on that's on Book Riot with a discussion of how it's mostly women who have this really strong friend group. And I mentioned Adriana Herrera's um, Dreamer series for being um, a good example of uh, men who have that really close-knit conversation. I realized immediately that I had neglected to talk about Jack Harbin, who is oh, a yeah. d- delightful writer. And, uh, you know, his characters are mostly like super young millennials or like the oldest Gen Z can Gen Z can be. Um, and they have like super great relationships and friendships in in his books. Uh, you might have read Meet Cute Club. If you've read any of his stuff, I really like Kitten. The first book in that series is Daddy, which I haven't read. But if you like Daddy Kink, you should check that out. But the friendship at the beginning of each of those books is super fun to read. And just like the way that the friends interact and converse. And I say at the beginning, because that's when like you really feel the friendship because, you know, things get further and further into the relationship, but the friends are always there. Um, So that's Jack Harbin. I definitely recommend checking his books out. And for my complete utter love recommendation, The Love Study by Chris Ripper, which came out Earlier this summer, I want to say, um, one of the uh, first Karina Adores books has an amazing friend group. The name that they call themselves is one that I cannot use without us getting an explicit rating, but (laughs) (laughs) they have a hilarious background story for the name that the group calls themselves. And one of the great things about the love study is the fact that the Two love interests meet through this group of friends, and the narrator's eventual love interest is sort of pulled into the friend group before they go anywhere with anything even close to a relationship. But you're wondering, what is this about? (laughs) So the love study is, is a very interesting story where... Declan is the narrator of the story, and he's got this, like, great anxious sense of humor that I just immediately latched onto. And he is introduced at a party with his friends to Sydney, who um, runs a YouTube channel. And conversation happens, and all of a sudden, Sydney invites Declan to be on their channel, And they decide that since Declan has been out of the dating pool for a long time, but is kind of thinking about jumping back in, that Sydney would set him up on dates and they would talk about it on their YouTube channel. So the the segment is called the love study because it would get it gets great SEO hits on YouTube. (laughs) So that's where everything starts in the love study. And it's just, it's super fun. And the friends are always there. And the interesting thing is, 
Declan introduces himself to the reader by saying that his his friends, one of his friends in particular, introduces him as, this is Declan. He left his last boyfriend at the altar, so watch out. But now that boyfriend from six years ago is like his best friend. So <laughs> there's just all kinds of interesting conversations. There is a lot of, like, you have to deal with a lot of Declan's, like, self-guilt and the reasons that he kind of doesn't think he deserves to be in a relationship. But the rest of it is a really great story of not only a great group of friends, but also how a love story can be also a friendship story. So The Love Study by Chris Ripper. Well, that sounds delightful. And I'm actually pretty sure I bought it after you talked about it in Kissing Books. So (laughs) thank you for that. Huzzah! Huzzah! All right, I think we've done what we can do here in episode 69. I'm gonna say it again. (laughs) Huge thanks, as always, to our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink, and huge thanks to Dan Baker, who actually stepped in for us last week, has done it before, so major uh, shout-out to them as well. You can find us on email and social media, right, Jess? You can. Uh, we mentioned at the top of the show, romance at bookriot.com is our email address. You can always reach out to us there. And you can find me on Twitter at Jess's Reading, all one word, and on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. And your best bet for me, if should you want to reach me, is on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. Please do uh, rate and review the podcast again especially if you love everything we do, but because all of you are so kind, we will certainly take the criticism as well. So rate and review as you see fit. Yeah, absolutely. And as usual, if you're reading, happy reading. <laughs>